Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. Guys, we got another essential exotic episode. I keep doing these. I love them. I love Lori Hess. I think she's an amazing doctor, an amazing uh, presenter. I just love talking to her. She is such a wealth of knowledge. She is so direct and to the point and clear and concise. And I just learn so much in every single moment that I talk to her. And so I love having her on the show. I'm super glad to have her back Lori is a boarded avian specialist. She is one of only 150 board certified avian specialists. She is an exotic animal veterinarian in New York, and she is absolutely incredible. Check the description of the podcast for her full bio, because it goes on forever. (gasps) Let's get into this. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. And we're here with Dr. Lori Hess. Thanks for coming back. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, I love it. When we uh, we had you in before talking about rabbits and we talked about birds and we're just going to continue through the menagerie. Are you ready to do some how do you treat that? Definitely. Cool. I have got, again, let me, let me restate, I am a pretty much a strict companion animal veterinarian. So I see dogs and cats. I don't see a lot of exotics. I want to be confident. We have a veterinarian that um, that sees a lot of exotics, but some days she's not around and the exotics come in and they need help. And I want to be a good resource for those pet owners. So I have in one of our exam rooms right now, a three-year-old female guinea pig. And the presenting complaint is that she, her name is Penelope, Penelope is not eating as much as she usually does. Lori, I don't know where to start here. How, how do you treat that? Well, um, certainly we want to approach guinea pigs as we would um, any other mammal that we treat. So it's not unlike a cat or a dog. Um, again, people tend to freak out when something non-cat and dog comes into their hospital. But if we just kind of keep our wits about us and we focus on the body systems approach again. Um, But always, as I always mention with exotics, is that a lot of problems with exotic pets have to do with problems in husbandry and in nutrition. So before you even lay your hands on that animal, you really want to ask the right questions of the owner. So things like, you know, what is this animal eating? Very, very important. We know that dental disease is a huge problem um, in guinea pigs. So are they on the right diet? And what's the right diet? Um, since I know you're going to ask that, um, guinea pigs need unlimited amounts of hay. Um, their teeth grow continuously as well, mm-hmm. and um, their teeth will become overgrown or even impacted where they're, you know, not chewing, and and their their uh, the crowns of their teeth of their cheek teeth will hit in the back of their mouth, and sometimes they'll form sharp points on their teeth or the roots of the teeth become impacted into the jaw, very painful thing. So that certainly could contribute to being off in in terms of appetite. So you want to get an idea, you know, are they eating some limited amount of pellets? 
Um, they don't make vitamin C, so that's really important. They do need to have supplemental vitamin C. Vitamin C is put into the pellets, but in many of the brands of pellets, it only lasts about three months from the time the pellets made in the factory. Um, you can imagine these pellets often, you know, by the time they're shipped to a store and they're sitting around the shelf, they're, you know, degrading. So we do recommend supplemental vitamin C, and we don't recommend putting it in the water anymore. Um, there are actually tablets that, um, there are some commercially available tablets made for guinea pigs in flavors they will take, and they should have about, you know, if anywhere between 25 and 50 milligrams a day, depending upon the status of the guinea pig, reproductive status and age and growth and all that. But is it eating hay, pellets? Does it get supplemental vitamin C? You know, is it in a cage by itself? What's the bedding? How big is the cage? Um, you know, does the animal get out? Um, does it get supplemental vegetables? That's really important. So there are a lot of trace nutrients, um, vitamin C and other nutrients that uh, should be fed to the guinea pig in terms of like vegetables, not so much fruits. Fruits are high in carb and can throw off the normal GI flora um, right. of the guinea pig's herbivore track. But again, just getting a general idea of how is it housed, um, what's it fed, are there supplements, that kind of thing. Um, most people, unfortunately, do not bring in their guinea pigs for health exams, so there could be something brewing. Um, I definitely am a proponent of preventative medical care for guinea pigs, just like for dogs and cats. So guinea pigs should have annual exams. They should have an exam with, once they're adopted or they're purchased, but annually after that. Okay. Um, so get, asking all these back, background questions, even before you touch the animal, very important. Um, remember that guinea pigs are prey species, as are many of the other pocket pets. So they tend to hide their signs um, until mm. they really can't. And by the time you're seeing the signs or the owner is seeing the signs, whether it's lack of appetite or lethargy or lameness or whatever illness they have, by the time they're showing those signs, then they're really, really sick. It means that they can't hide them anymore. And, you know, they hide these signs because if in, in the wild, if they're a prey species, they get picked off, right, by a predator. So that's, you know, if you treat cats and dogs, cats and dogs are more predatory and you don't really think that way. Um, so, you know, again, you want to observe the animal in its environment. Um, is it active? Is it bright and alert? Is it on the defensive because it's prey? Um, or is it huddled in a corner and, and does it seem uncomfortable? Is it breathing with its mouth open or closed? The posture of the animal. So those are all things that, you know, as a dog or cat vet, you might just kind of walk into the room and like pet the dog and play with the dog. And you want to, with exotics in general, really take a deep breath and take a step back mm -hmm. and look at the animal. Um, many of these animals are actually brought in in the cages in which they're housed at home. And that can be really, really helpful because you get an idea. Like if a cage is filled with, you know, all kinds of old food or a lot of excrement or something, then you get an idea of maybe this animal isn't like the main prime pet in the house. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe there's something going on that the owners haven't noticed because they're not paying attention to this animal. Right. So um, starting with a really good history and using your powers of observation, which, you know, all good vets are taught in veterinary school, um, then you want to start after that doing a really good physical exam. Um, remember that guinea pigs are very quick. They will run off the table. So you want to have a towel down the table. Ideally, you want to have someone helping you restrain the animal so that you can use your hands. Um, to start at the top, I usually start um, up at the head and I work my way back using that body systems approach, as I mentioned before. So, you know, is it BAR? Is it bright and alert? Um, is it hydrated? How do we tell? Well, you can touch the gums. You can pick up the skin over the eyelid. You can pick up the skin over the, the back of the animal. Um, sometimes we have to be careful because if it's an older animal, they'll have some muscle wasting and the skin will tent a little bit over their back. But you kind of look at those things in general. Um, remember that herbivores 
because they eat lots of vegetables and they have very um, voluminous GI tracts where they have you know long bits of intestine. They have um, high, higher, much higher requirements for uh, fluids for water. So the average guinea pig or even rabbit or whatever herbivore we're talking about, their maintenance fluid requirement is 100 milliliters per kilogram of body weight per day. So that's pretty high. Mm -hmm. um, so if they're not eating, they do get dehydrated quickly, and that's something you want to pay attention to. Um, cool. You can also look at their color. You know, you, are they pink? Are their mucous membranes pink? Um, you know, that's something we would look at in a cat or dog. You want to look at the same thing in a guinea pig. Um, unfortunately, guinea pigs um, will get a lot of bladder stones. They might have hematuria in a very mild way that an owner might not notice until it's more severe. So they could be anemic um, because they're losing little bits of blood into their urine. Um, so that's something you want to pay attention to in terms of their color. Okay. And then we just go, you know, through the body systems. All right, cool. So can, uh, any tips for just general restraint, anything I should keep in mind, any, sure. anything that's going to make, make me more effective or my technicians more effective in, in holding? Yeah. So guinea pigs don't like to be like held up in the air. They like to have contact with the surface. So either hold them close to your body, or if you're going to hold them on a table, hold them close to you on the table, put them on the towel. Remember, they, um, these little mammals have very high body temperatures, so you don't want them to get cold. And if you have um, a cold metal table, you want to be sure to have um, you know, some towel or a blanket or something down on the table so they don't get cold, particularly if they're um, hypovolemic, if they're dehydrated. You know, they may be cold to begin with. They're not circulating their fluid properly. Um, you want to keep them close to you. If you have someone else to hold so your hands are free, um, you don't have to kind of worry about them scurrying off the table or running really quickly um, or falling or injuring themselves. So okay, cool. uh, help is really important when you have a guinea pig that's sick in particular. And then any uh, any tips, pearls, words of advice on doing a good oral examination here? Yeah, so that's a really important thing. I think um, of any part of your exam, oral exam is so important with guinea pigs because um, they do get so many dental problems. And, in, you know, it's one thing you can, like, cursorily pick up the top lip or the bottom lip and see the incisors. You know, there's, incisors can be very long and can block the view to the back of the mouth. So if you're going to do a thorough exam, and particularly if you have one that's not eating, you really should do a thorough exam, you should have a speculum. Um, and if you don't have a speculum, there are fancy kind of nasal speculums that are used in people that we uh, exotic vets use all the time. And it, it kind of looks like a laryngoscope with a little um, bulb in it, like a laryngoscope bulb. And then it looks like a clamshell that opens side to side. So it spreads the sides of the mouth, the sides of the cheeks open, and you can look in the back of the mouth. If you don't have something like that readily available, you probably have an otoscope cone um, that you can pop on and then, you know, use an otoscope cone you don't care about because it's going to get chewed on. But mm -hmm. then you can look around the back of the mouth. Use Q-tips, you know, um, sometimes you can put a little bit of gauze around the top incisors and the bottom incisors and kind of gently open the mouth. But you okay. really do want to look at the surfaces of the teeth in the back. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. So, thank, no, that's great advice. That's super helpful. Um, continuing on with the physical examination, we talked about sort of moving down the head into the body. Anything yeah. I want to really look out for in organ systems, abdominal palpation, things like that. Definitely. So, um, you know, your ENT is very similar other than obviously we want to focus on the teeth. Um, rabbits got, uh, guinea pigs get a lot of inner ear disease. So you want to like look down in the ears, smell the ears, see, do you see purulent discharge? Um, obviously, you're going to look at the eyes and all of that. 
Um, when you're listening, they do have lymph nodes, so you will palpate all the lymph nodes as well. And, you know, there are some diseases like strangles, as you remember from vet school, where they get, um, their submandibular lymph nodes get very large, um, they get infected. So if you notice that, that's something you want to pay attention to. Um, when you're going down into heart and lungs, you know, their heart rates are much faster than cats and dogs. They're, they're very, very quick. Sometimes they're too quick to count. Um, remember that their hearts sit very cranially in their thoracic cavity up in between um, their front legs, a little more okay. cranially than in a cat or dog, obviously. Um, and you want to watch their breathing. Um, you want to pay attention to the fact that they can, um, because they're breathing quickly, you want to separate their breathing from their heart, you know, their heart beating. It can be really hard when everything's going really fast. Um, they do get a lot of pneumonia. They get mycoplasma very commonly, rodents do in general, so depicts rodents. So you want to pay attention to that. Um, remember that their thoracic cavity can be very small relative to their abdominal cavity because of all those big intestines and that big stomach that's going to hold all that really fluidy um, vegetative matter, you know, that they eat. So um, you have to listen pretty cranially gotcha. and listen for gut sounds too. Okay, cool. Um, I'm, I'm going to hear gut sounds when I'm when sculpting the chest, correct? You may, you may, and particularly, you know, if they're off, if they have dysbiosis, meaning, you know, the bacterial tract is off, uh, in their GI tract, the bacteria is off, you may hear abnormal gassy sounds, you may hear a little pinging even, like, almost like a cow. Um, you want to palpate that abdomen really, really carefully. Um, they will get GI stasis, um, rabbits get it, guinea pigs get it, um, and that's where there's a sort of a physiologic as opposed to a physical obstruction slowing down the passage of food through the GI tract. So um, you may feel a big full stomach, you may feel kind of gassy intestines, and it's normal for them to have gas because they're herbivores and they digest um, vegetation much more so than like a cat or a dog, um, but they shouldn't be, they should be passing stool, um, it shouldn't, their stomach shouldn't feel so big and bloated, um, it, like things are not moving through because the bacteria uh, or the, the gut flora is off. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds like we've got a pretty good physical examination. I think we can definitely cover that. Uh, we're taking a good history, specifically a dietary history, what's going into our friend Penelope's mouth, all those sorts of things. Are there any final words of wisdom before we go in here? Is there anything specific that you'd be looking for that's particularly common? Yeah, um, remember that in general, um, unlike female rabbits that we will recommend spaying, um, we don't typically spay guinea pigs uh, preventatively. Um, they don't get the uterine cancer that we get in, in rabbits. Um, it's more technically difficult to spay a guinea pig. But if you see um, any kind of bloody uh, discharge, they can get pyometras, they can get bladder stones very, very commonly, and sometimes you can actually feel those stones in the bladder. They're usually calcium-based stones, so if you take an x-ray, take a film, you can usually see them. Okay. One thing that's really common and sometimes confusing is ovarian cysts. Um, guinea pigs, female guinea pigs will get ovarian cysts all the time. Okay. And it's kind of weird. You feel, like, you feel a kidney and then you feel like something else next to the kidney and it may be bigger than the kidney so it can be very confusing um, sometimes they're benign and you just find them and sometimes they get really big and painful and press on things um, and they can make an animal not feel good and not want to eat as well so that's a really common thing too okay that plays really well to your point of having regular exams so we kind of know what normal is for this animal and we have a baseline on penelope absolutely is there um is there a formulary that you really like? So, so say yes. that I'm, you know, when I find disease, when I find a problem, um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm using something appropriate. W what do you like? 
I like the the Carpenter's formulary. formulary. Um, it's by um, James Carpenter. He is one of the grandfathers of veterinary medicine. Um, he has written numerous versions of this formulary. Um, there was one out, I think it was last year. Um, it has, it covers all species. And what's nice is it's not only just the formulary of the drugs, which all divided up into like the antiparasitic drugs and the bacterial, you know, bactericides and all that stuff. Um, but it also gives a little summary in the back of each section by animal of important statistics like, you know, lifespan and average weight and all the things that you might not know offhand. Um, I look at it all the time. Sometimes there's like weird species that come in that are in there. Um, and it's just like a nice little cheat sheet. If you have something coming in that you don't see every day, you can just review that really quick um, and find good reference material. Love it. Love it. Love it. Laura, you are amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time. No, Where thank can you. Where can the Exotics fans find you? You've got a lot going on. Yeah, um, you can find me on the internet. Um, my hospital website is avian exotics with an S on the end, vet.com or drlauriehess.com. Uh, either one, you can find me there and contact me right through the website. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. And that is our episode, guys. I hope it was helpful. I hope you're being safe, guys. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I hope that you are washing hands, keeping social distance, and not just from clients. I see a lot of teams that are doing a great job of being safe when it comes to clients, and but they're not being safe when it comes to other members of their team. And so I just want to steal the microphone for one second and say, you are important. You matter. Please take care of yourself. Please be uh, cautious and um, aware of your surroundings when you are working with clients and also when you're working with your staff. So keep your distance, wear your mask, wash your hands. I want you to be healthy and happy and to be there for the pets and the people who need you. And that includes your family and your friends. So anyway, be well. I'm thinking about you.